And it wasn't something that I was offended by because it was their way of relating to me as seeing a black man in Hawaii, one, there's not a lot of those who aren't in the military. And two, seeing this Bernese Mountain Dog, which not a lot of people know what the breed is. And it's like, it looks similar to a black St. Bernard because the Bernese Mountain Dog was a multi-purpose working farm breed in Switzerland. And when people started going up in the Alps more, they started breeding St. Bernard's. And so with people getting lost in the Alps a lot, and the invention of tractors and people bringing in horses and carriages. They stopped breeding the Bernese Mountain Dogs as much because they didn't need dogs to pull the carts to market. They had horses, they had tractors. And they started focusing on the search and rescue dogs. So you now have this breed, the St. Bernard, that is surpassing the original breed, which is the Bernese Mountain Dog. And so with pop culture, with Beethoven, with Cujo, who was actually a Caucasian mountain dog, but looks just like a St. Bernard, people now recognize that breed. And that's their way of relating to, oh, that's a black St. Bernard. So it's like, it's, it's just the culture of the island. It's the culture of them relating to you in a certain way. And it's, it's all love. So it's like, I'm not offended. And it's, it's love. So it just, depending on the city that I'm in, I'm remembered for different things. In Hawaii, I'm remembered for the Bernese Mountain Dogs and the Beach House. Shout out to the Beach House by 604. I love you. I love you all. Um, in Seattle, I'm known for being on the food trucks. In my hometown, I'm known for moving to LA and being inside the television. Oh, we saw this show. Oh, you did this court TV show. And it's like, sometimes you wish you could reset how people see you, but you can only do that through giving them new experiences. The joy of children laughing These are makings of you It is true The makings of you What's going on, beautiful people? It's your host, Drake. Be Drake with Everything Culture. And we're back with another Makings of You. So this morning, this afternoon, this evening, we have the pleasure of introducing Jay. So, Jay, how you doing? How's it going? I'm good. How are you doing? It's been a beautiful day. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy that the weather is where it's at here in Seattle. But I'm, I'm adjusting. Let's say that. But I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. It's definitely been an adjustment with the way that everything has been cloudy and cold in the past few months. It's like kind of weather shock because you go from cold to sunny and you're just like, wait a minute. There was no adjustment period. It just was one to the other. You know, and you're absolutely correct. But, you know, I don't like complaining about it. We asked for it. We got it. So we'll go for it with it. You know what I mean? So we're going to make a shake. So this is the makings of you. So, yeah, have you listened to the episode before? Have you listened to The Makings of You? I have not listened to The Makings of You. I've made it a point not to listen to any of the podcasts prior to coming on because I didn't want to have any preconceived notions. So, okay. it's all good. A lot of people do that. So, don't feel bad. 
So I don't know how emotional we may get, but I do. I can grab some tissues and clinics just in case. It can get like that sometimes. It may not because, but it all depends. It's all on you. You you know you better than anybody else may know you. So we're gonna have around thirty questions for you, um, asking about you, asking about Jay. You didn't know more about Jay. Your perspective, your experience in life, and things of that nature. And we greatly appreciate you taking the time and joining us for a conversation and sharing yourself with us. So, are you ready for the first question? Yes, I am. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you so much for having me. No problem, no problem. So, Jay, can you describe yourself for us? I would have to say very much like a mirror. Like, if I would have to describe myself, I am very low-key, and I like to be to myself a lot of times, but when I'm in a group or when I'm around people, a lot of times I'm just mirroring the energy that I'm getting. And so when people say, you see different sides of different people, it's very much that, where it's like, if you are very low key and chill, like I have a friend of mine and she texts me and she's like, hey, let's just like sit next to each other and do some work together. And it's it's very, nice because we get to just sit and hang out and we don't have to have a big conversation we just each work on our own little thing and we just we vibe next to each other and that's one of the most beautiful things in life is just being able to sit next to somebody and not have to feel like you have to fill the air with conversation Mm -hmm. thank you what cultures do you represent i I don't even know where to begin with that question. I grew up around so many different cultures. Um, In my childhood, I was raised in Indiana. And so it's very Midwest casserole dinner party culture. Like it's kind of like the show Desperate Housewives, Mm. where it's like you have like this group of people that live very close to each other. It's very like tight knit. Everybody knows everything about everybody. And Y'all hang out, y'all do barbecues and dinners. And so that's what I grew up with. And then moving to Los Angeles, when I turned 19, I was shown a lot of other different cultures. Mm. And recently I had just spent some two years in Hawaii on the island of Oahu. Shout out to Waianae, love you West Side. Um, and so that's that was like a whole nother culture that I got to experience and it felt like home. The Hawaiian people have a way of making you feel so embraced and they have this thing called the aloha spirit and it's it's love and it's family and it's everything you see in Lilo and Stitch but in real life. And so in terms of culture, I feel like I've picked up a lot of different cultures throughout my life where I can relate to one or two different aspects or ideologies of these cultures like I love Midwest culture how everybody is just very tight-knit and very loving but I also love island culture but I also love the Los Angeles culture of hey we we have a project we're gonna push this project we want to get this done and I do have to say that out of all the cities that I've lived in the one culture that I have not vibed with the most was Seattle culture because it's very passive aggressive 
in a way that when you move to Seattle, you either know people here or you have to be vetted through people here. So whenever I'm in Seattle, it's very much, I'm always working. And when I have time off, I really don't really have a crew to hang out with because Seattle's very hot and cold of like, if you're not verified through certain people, they don't want to hang. Mm. So I I love Seattle for the work and for the opportunities. It's a great city for opportunities. I do feel like I am body the cultures of Los Angeles, Hawaii, and Indiana a lot more than I do of Seattle. Mm. Well, welcome to everything culture. And let me tell you, if people go back and listen to what, season, early season three, season two, maybe, hey, we share the same sentiments. But it'll get that. It'll get that. But that's part, that is part of Seattle culture that, but now I was told, but it's something I've experienced myself. So you're not crazy. Okay, but well, thank you, thank you for being here in Seattle, by the way. <laughs> so you said you were from Indiana. What part of Indiana? So I'm originally from um, Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is Northeast Indiana. It's the second largest city in the state of Indiana. First largest city is Indianapolis, which is the capital. Learn a little bit about Indiana right here. Do you mind sharing your age with us? Uh, just, I'll be 32 June 17th, 2023. Okay. So currently 31. Okay. Okay. Well, happy early birthday. Thank you. Thank you. A lot going to be going down around your birthday. That is Juneteenth weekend. Father's Day. Father's Day. You know, even the Mrs. Birthday. We know a season that's part of. So we are, we go turn up. We're going to have some fun for your B-Day for sure, for sure. Yeah, hold us to it too. <laughs> All right, I, will. I know you're not from Seattle, so you mean it. Oh, yeah. We go. We come through. We come through. Oh, um, for real. So. How would you define your childhood and upbringing? I would probably define my childhood as very Midwest. Um, my parents were together for most of my childhood and I have an older brother and two younger sisters and we all grew up very close and after my parents divorced, everybody kind of went their own way. And I, at the time, was living in Los Angeles. And so I, instead of dealing with a lot of the things that were happening, I kind of threw myself into my work, which is what I do a lot. And kind of went Hollywood, as people would say. And so I feel like I didn't really devote as much family time as I could have. And at this point in my life, it's like 31 and single. And I've had many years of career experience, but not a lot of people to kind of gather around and like share those moments with. Okay. 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 So where are the roles of your caregivers coming up? Uh, my mother and father were both working individuals. Uh, we did have nannies here and there. So for me, it was great because we spent dinner together every night. Food has always been a large part of my life because every night, no matter what, we're all sitting around the dinner table telling jokes, 
roasting each other. You know how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was something like growing up, my mom would always make us take turns making dinner. And so it was my brother would make dinner and I would unload the dishwasher and my sister would load the dishwasher. And it was like we each all had an individual role in the whole family life. And nowadays it's like you look around and it's like, how much time are people actually like together? And I do miss the days of not being on cell phones. Like we had one landline, you had to be off the internet, hang up the phone, I gotta send an email type of thing. And I do, I do miss that. Mm. We need to bring that back. Like a phone that's for the whole family that stays in the house. Oh, that's a landline. Oh, that's a house phone. Oh, how old am I? How old am I? How, how old have I gotten? Where people don't know what a house phone is. Oh, she explaining the house phone. Is that a goat? Like technology has advanced so quickly over the past, what, 20 years. It's ridiculous. Even so, in the past 10 years, it's yes. just, it's, it's, leaps and bounds like i honestly one of my goals has always been to be semi-amish and to live on a phone a homestead and just have one room with technology where it's like i have a laptop and an ipad but spend the bulk of my day outside in the garden with my wife and kids just growing stuff taking care of the chickens hanging out with the dogs that's always been the dream wow wow Okay, I like that. I like that. So you say you have two siblings. I think, are you in the middle? I have three. So I have an oh. older brother who's 18 months older than me. So he's 32 or 33 and I'll be 32 next month. Okay. And then uh, two younger sisters. And I always forget how old they are. Um, <laughs> it's like, I believe one's 27 and the other one is 26. Okay. Okay. A little bit. I see a close in age. So we're, yeah. We're always close in age. Like we went to school together, like private Catholic school, Benoit Academy. So it's like we were all in the same school at the same time, which was nice. And then also it sometimes wasn't nice because you mess with one of us, you get all of us. I do remember there was this girl growing up. I was in third grade. And uh, we're on the bus, and this girl, Erica, was picking on me. My sister clobbered her. And so I always, always, always would love my sister for that moment. Because it's like, I know I can't hit a girl, but I didn't have to say anything, and she handled it. Mm. So it's nice to have siblings. Gang, gang. Right? Hey, love it, love it, love it. And that kind of leads into our next question, though. So far in life, how do you feel about your education? I, I've always been somebody who was against formal education. Um, so growing up, I always hated school because it was, I had a different learning style than a lot of people. Mm. And so in eighth grade, I decided that I didn't want to go to school. I wanted to just study animals because I loved animals. So ended up skipping school that day and I went to the pet store and hung out with one of the guys that worked at the pet store. His name was Jamie. He was a reptile guy. He had like this gnarly goatee. He was like really badass. And so ended up hanging out with Jamie, like learning about the animals. Cause in my mind, I'm like, I'm not learning the things that I want to learn in school. 
and you guys are boring me to death with this homework that doesn't it doesn't is busy work to me mm. and so hanging out with jamie at the pet store and these new rabbits had come in and so i asked jamie i'm like yo jamie can i pet one of the rabbits and see so he's like oh sure so i open the bunny cage and stick my hand in to pet the rabbit. The bunny rabbit jumps on me and bites me and starts humping my arm. Mm, damn. And I, I start yelling and Jamie like turns around. And he's like, oh, not that one. That one's a breeder rabbit. We have to send him back because he isn't pet quality. And I'm like, then y'all shouldn't have him on the floor. Like y'all put a sign up or something. He was like, oh, I thought you meant the other rabbit. So even from a young age, like I've always disliked the traditional school system and always wanted to do my own thing because I'm very hands-on. And so like when I want to learn a subject, I'll just jump right into it. Mm-hmm. And looking at, sorry, millennials, all this student loan debt that we have as millennials because we rely to about the way that things have to be in this certain process of, oh, you go to school and you get a degree and then you get this amazing job and then you work until five years before you die. Like I never believed in that. And so I've always not wanted to go to school. And after I moved to LA, my dad called me and he was like, yo, you have to go to college because my company is gonna pay for part of it. And you have until you turn this certain age and then they won't pay for it. So you need to pick something and go for it. Even if it's not what you're gonna do full time or the rest of your life go get a degree in something. So I thought to myself, I'm like, what is gonna be the most practical thing that I can fall back on if everything just falls to pieces? If the world is burning, what do we do? So I ended up going to culinary school because no matter where you live in the world, there's restaurants, people need to eat. There's always gonna be a market for knowing how to cook. And even with the homestead puzzle, it's like, if I'm growing my own food and living off the land, I need to know how to cook those little things that I'm growing or put together recipes and meal prep and plan and potlucks or whatever. And so ended up going to culinary school and always worked with animals on the side because I was always told you have to have a real job while you pursue your passion. So it was always cooking and working with animals. And now I work with animals in a different capacity, but other people, I guess, call them children. So, um, <laughs> still working with animals. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at the end of it all, that's what our base, uh, what our id, animalistic, I'll tell you that right there. Those two-legged animals that wipe boogers on everything. And sneeze. and uh, They love sneezing in your face. They love, like, you'll pick one up and be like, hey, let's check your diaper. And it's like, I chew. It's like right in my face. (laughs) My mouth is open. Yeah, you look, hey, air and opportunity. You got to guard yourself. True, true. (laughs) No, we appreciate it, sharing it, and especially into that detail. So, what was your first sense of responsibility? Um, I would have to say, my first sense of responsibility, like age-wise or like in life? Like, in life. When, when did you ever hit that moment that I'm, res- I'm responsible for this? I would have to say probably when I was eight years old, 
I begged my mom for years to get a dog. And so she picked the dog. She drove us down to the breeder. We got it. And she was like, all right, Josiah, you wanted a dog. This is your dog. You feed it. You walk it. This is all yours. And so that was my first real responsibility. Hmm. Like having my own dog. What was the name of the dog? Uh, her name or the name that my mom called her? <laughs> it's so all, it's it, your thing. Yeah, I know. I'm like, it. Honestly, she said it was my dog. This honestly was my mother's dog. And we jokingly called her the fifth child. So her name was Sophie. But my mom, she was a Portuguese water dog. And my mom was like, she's a good Catholic girl. Her name is Sophia Louise Francesca Marguerite. So she had this like this ridiculous long name for this fifth child of hers that was my dog, quote unquote. Shout out to Sophie, though. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Sophie. You taught me so many life lessons. You taught me that if I decide to get a dog and the dog makes a mess, even if it was not something that I could have helped, it's my job to clean it up. Mm. Mm. Talk about it. Oh, I don't I don't know if we can on this. It's a family podcast. <laughs> Sophie loved to flip the garbage cans. She loved to go in my mother's bathroom during that time of the month and rip up those things on the carpet. And I had to go, I'm like, Mom, shut the bathroom door. Oh, what's your dog? Oh. I'm like, you know, she has a strong sense of smell. We got carpet in the bathroom. Shut the door. Mm, mm. Love it. See, a lot of people need to hear this. Also, somebody will understand this, you know. Eight years old, cleaning up those moments. You learn. You learn quick. <laughs> so transitioning from your first sense of responsibility, going into, you know, working. What was your first taxable job? First taxable job, I was a pet food consultant at... Mm a company called Sentinel Feed. It was in Los Angeles or Pasadena, California. So we lived in East Pasadena at the time. And I had just gotten my second dog. Shout out to Calvin. Love you forever and always, Calvin. Um, just got my second dog and he was having issues. Like he was having diarrhea all the time. And so I took it upon myself to do some research on pet food and the pet food industry and like what really makes a good food because in the world that we live in there are things that are marketed to us and targeted to us that look so shiny and pretty and beautiful and it's like oh do you have this beautiful commercial and oh you see these brands at the dog show they must be good or oh my vet recommends this and it says on the package, vet recommended, number one vet recommended. So in all of my research that I had done, I had learned that most of those brands that you see on television commercials or you have the vet recommended, there are kickbacks that vets get for recommending that certain name food with the white packaging that I'm not going to name the actual scientific name of um but they get kickbacks for recommending certain foods and the foods that are actually beneficial for your pets generally are ones that are sold at boutique pet stores or not found in like grocery stores or you find them at like a big pet smart or a pet co so like 
looking into like the way that pet food is made, doing a tour of a dog food factory, seeing like how dog food kibble is made, looking at the history of like how we used to feed dogs horse meat, and then going back into how a lot of the issues that we see dogs having now, the issues that Caesar Milan has been cleaning up for the past 20 years, is because we have taken dogs out of the natural nature that they need to be in. Each breed of dog has been bred for a purpose, whether it's a working dog or a guardian dog or a bull baiting dog or a police dog. And one of my biggest pet peeves is people who sit on their couch and don't exercise their Huskies. Huskies are a working breed. They were bred to hold like sleds through the tundra for weeks on end. And when you have certain breeds and you have them in a companion environment, you're going to have a lot of behavioral issues because the dog is not doing what it's intended and bred for, for the past hundred years. You have dogs that were created to fight bulls and bait bulls for bull fights. And then you have them unsupervised in the room with the toddler and you think that it's not going to be a problem. And people say, oh, it's not the breed, it's the owner. It's like, it's both. It's when you look at what the breed was originally bred for and intended for, and you look at the way, the lifestyle that you have them in currently, it doesn't match up. And so there's a lot of chaos and there's a lot of breed specific issues. And so going back to the way that dogs were bred and purposed to be in the past, we're not feeding them the way that they used to be fed in the past. And so you have a lot of issues like diarrhea, you have cancers now popping up in dogs, you have behavioral issues, you have dogs that are having skin and coat allergies. Deformities left and right. Deformities. And so it's like when you look at like the way that our ancestors used to go out with dogs and hunt and the dogs would eat the leftover brains and eyeballs from the kill and get the nutrients and the vitamins that aren't in these like kibble, like you see why we're having certain issues. And so in looking at a lot of those things with my first job as a pet food consultant, I kind of segued full time into like the culinary field. That's when my, my culinary experience took off where it's like, Oh, if you see how, changing a dog's diet can change its entire life imagine what that can do for humans and so that was kind of like oh i'm doing this for dogs imagine how amazing it would be if i were to do this for humans mm, love it like okay you know that may be a little bit of the clip right there you know i shoot I don't know if I was hiring, um, looking for someone that'd be a consultant or a manager, we definitely be you because going to that much of detail from, you know, work is valuable because I guarantee a lot of people don't feel the same way or understand. I would say that more than anything else. Um, me being from the country, like my being raised by my grandparents, we had dogs and our dogs either ate from the kill, ate actual live and, th you know, we food. And but we I know let me tell you this everything our dogs ate may not have been the best thing as well oh we were told it's not the best things but we went to the point where when I moved to Houston and you know I see huge dogs just caged up all day like 
I looked at that as almost animal abuse. Mm-hmm. I know some people may not like that, but that is my culture. That's my perspective because our dogs were able to run around in the yard, the backyard. I mean, half an acre, just have a good time. And I see huge dogs, like you say, Husky, that's not even in a room, but in a cage. And I'm like, ugh. But so, I fully agree with that sentiment, though, because like when you think about it, it's like, when you see stuff like that, it makes you question, why does this person have a dog? Like when you when you walk into a certain person's house and you're just like, oh, that like what do you what what is the purpose of you having a dog? Why did you choose this breed? And when I was in dog training, a lot of times people say, Oh, it was cute, or oh, I thought it was it would be a fun dog to own. And so it's like for me. I love the big guardian breeds. Like I love the Great Danes. My favorite, favorite, favorite dog I've ever had was a Bernese Mountain Dog. Shout out to you, Buddha Bear. <laughs> big, lazy dog, but he could go on a run or he can go on a swim. He just, he fit my lifestyle at the time mm. to where it's like, when you think about potentially owning a pet, you need to think about okay, so what is realistic for me? Am I working all the time? Do I have time to get out and take a run with this dog? Do I have time to upkeep the maintenance on the fur? Do I have time to prepare a special diet if the dog needs it? Yeah. And for me, it's like, you have to think about it as a partnership or a relationship. It's similar to the way that we have high divorce rates where people are like, oh, she was cute and she saw me in the club and we just, we, we vibed. And then when the cute wears off, it's like, y'all go to divorce court. It's the same with dogs in shelters. Like a lot of people got dogs during the pandemic and it was cute. And it was like, oh, I saw him on Pet Finder and I was working from home and it was great. And now it's, oh, it doesn't fit my lifestyle or, oh, this happened or, oh, whatever. So you have to be able to think about long term of does this really fit my lifestyle? A lot of relationships did not make it past that pandemic, but <laughs> uh, hey, it is what it is. Thank God for that. Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> that's the best thing for you because them ex- them quarantine experiments aren't meant to work out. Sometimes I tell people take a road trip with your boot. A road trip will expose a lot of things. When I stuck in that car together, gotta choose what song to listen. You find it when you have to have those conversations. It's valuable. Okay, so. How were you disciplined growing up? Um, a lot of spankings, a lot of belts. Uh, my mother had a special panel made. Uh, it was like a little like hand cutting board. My cousin Bonnie, shout out to cousin Bonnie, rest in peace, was a carpenter. So he like would make all kinds of fun. Like he made this cool doghouse for me when I was a kid, and I put like all my stuffed dogs in the doghouse. Um, he made my mother a paddle. So it's like growing up, it's like we got the paddle or the belt. Like, don't act up at school. If I get a call from your teacher, we getting the belt. So a lot of that. I did not know the Midwest was doing whoopings. I did not know. I mean, this was back in the 90s when it was still legal. Or like, yeah, we're not going to tell that story. (laughs) (laughs) We pay. We feel right, it. We right. good. We good. We good. Shout we good. out to my brother hey. Robbie. Shout out to Robbie. It was culture. It was things of a different time. You know that's why we have conversations about them. Okay, but thank you. Um, and bring us to our next question: What were and what are your beliefs? Um, what were my beliefs was 
I would always just say, oh, just be a good person. I was raised in the church. And so for me, church was always something you do on Sunday. And it was, it was very, it was very, um, country club church where it's like you have the popping kids program with like the balloon animals and you have like the veggie tales and all this like this kids carnivals and so for me i never really understood what church was and what the gospel of jesus christ was because it was always about the program and church camp it's like i love church camp it was a great opportunity great experience every summer and lots, lots of amazing stories. Shout out to Billy with the fish hook. Um, <laughs> church camp. So one year, we, uh, me and my brother went to church camp, and we roomed with his two friends, Alan and Alex. And there was this other kid that went to our church. His name was Billy. Billy was always in trouble. So I loved fishing as a kid, and I had this fishing pole in our room and one day something popped off in the room and Billy grabbed the fishing pole and he was like swinging it around and the fish hook got caught in somebody's lip and I'm like I guess Billy caught something but yeah it was church camp was always an experience I'm sorry for hitting the mic that was one of my biggest I used to go fishing out of town but I used to hate I seen that hook get caught in somebody um I can't remember what, but I remember getting caught like one of my cousins, and I like Mm-mm. could be me. But shout out to Billy though, whatever they yeah. like, handling business. I hope you're not in jail, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, nowadays I would say um, my belief system is is relational. Um, just like when I was in dog, tra- the biggest epiphany I had when I was a dog trainer was everything is based on the relationship that you have with your pet. So when I was doing research and development before I actually started training, I had worked at this dog daycare and they had a trainer prior come in and they they would always say, oh, the dogs were fine when he was there, but as soon as he would leave, they would have, the dogs would have problems with other staff members. And so he would pop in and be like, oh, well, it never happens with me. You're the problem. And so it's it's relational to the point where the dogs have the type of relationship where they they respect what that trainer says and they know what he expects because he holds them to a standard. But he was never able to convey that message of you need to hold this standard to the other staff members. And so the other staff members would come in and be like, oh, I don't like they just do their regular thing. And with dogs, they're going to test the boundaries if they're bored. They're going to see what they can get away with, but not in a malicious way. It's like, I'm just going to do what I want or know how to do until you let me know that's not okay or that I need to do something differently. And so it's like in my relationship with God, it was the same way. It's like I always thought being saved was, oh, I go to church every Sunday. I go to Bible study every Wednesday. But in learning... I had learned that it's about having a relationship with God and doing things that are good for me because that's what's going to keep me safe. 
And so it went from, oh, we're doing this Pharisee walk of, oh, we go to church, oh, we know the Bible scriptures backwards and forwards, to we're walking this out, we're living it out, because we have a relationship with God. And to have a relationship with God, there's a standard. And that's that's a recent discovery within the past three months. For anybody who's watching this for the past 20 years, if you know me, I, yeah, you know, I wasn't always above board. There was a lot of gray area, so. Okay. Growth. A lot of growth. I mean, I've grown a lot in being in the Seattle environment, but it's it's something that's challenged me because it ha it's challenged a lot of my prior belief systems and a lot of my ways of doing things. But that's how growth usually comes, is when you're challenged. Usually when you're comfortable, you're not going to have any growth. When you're kicking your feet up, laying back, you're not going to have any growth. You know, when you're, but when you're working out or you're going for that walk and you, you're sweating, like reading, doing things you may make you uncomfortable at times, that's when you have the most, most, most times in growth. It's even in the Bible, you know, it, it's not test. It's just when you're moving forward, doing the right thing, you're going to have challenges. Nothing is where come to us is easy, but Hey, thank you for sharing with us. Seriously. Uh, and if y'all just not tuning in, this is the makings of Jay with everything culture. Make sure y'all to like, share, subscribe, tell somebody about this. And, you know, thank y'all for tuning in as we continue Jay. Who has been the biggest influence in your life? Hands down, my grandmother, my mother's mom. Um, as a kid, we would always go out on adventures together. She would take all five of the grandkids out. We'd go up to the lake. We'd go out and be in the garden all summer long. We'd go to the zoo together, like all kinds of fun stuff. So even in my gardening homestead journey her role that she played was always pivotal i remember one summer she bought this gazebo and so like like i was like maybe 12 years old and this was in indiana and so it's like she built she bought this gazebo either on the internet or like one of those uh catalogs you know like kids these days they used to ship these things to your house it was a book and you go through the book and you call the number and you're like, hey, send me this item. And then they charge your credit card. And so she sent this gazebo to her house. We spent a summer building it. We painted it yellow. Yellow is her favorite color. And then about 10 years later, um, I get a call from my grandma and she's like, they're trying to tear down my gazebo. That's, that's how she's, she's very country. Um, and I'm like, what, what's going on, grandma? And she's like, they said we built it too close to the street and they would have put in a sidewalk like, it's Indiana. They didn't have sidewalks in all the neighborhoods. And so they came in her neighborhood and they were like, oh, we want to put in a sidewalk, but your gazebo is too close to where we think the sidewalk would be. And so that was one of those battles where it's like, all right, what do we do? We fight for this childhood gazebo always. So to this day, this gazebo is still standing. They put the sidewalk in. We made it all work stood and what she believed in and what she supported too. I love it. Love it. Hey, a lot of people don't know. We were talking about gazebos earlier. That's the crazy thing about it. You brought it up. You know. Oh, I love it. Love it. So, next question. This is like a three-in-one to a sense. 
So can you recommend a book, a movie, and a television series to our viewers? Um, there is so many movies, so many movies. I, I just recently started reading this really good book called Wired for Love by this author named Stephanie Coppolini, um, talking about the neuroscience of love and the heart. That's been a really good read for me recently. Um, I, every Saturday, usually go down to Capitol Hill in Seattle and I'll go see my florists, flowers on 15th. I've been going there since like 2017. So my Saturday routine is go to the florist, flowers on 15th, go see Caroline. She usually throws together something amazing. She always has the most amazing roses. So I'll go pick up a bouquet of roses and then I'll go to Elliott Bay and I'll like go upstairs, sit at one of the tables, pick a book and just like sit and like read a book with my flowers. So one Saturday, went to Elliott Bay after I saw Caroline and I like pick up this book called Wired for Love because it had these two parrots on the on the cover. And like anybody that knows me knows I love birds and it just like it jumped out to me. It's like this yellow book with this green parrot on the front. So I started reading this book and she was talking about a neuroscientist who was very cynical about love. And I'm like in reading the first three pages, like I laughed out loud because it reminded me of myself because I'm very like scientific when it comes to life and everything. And so I was like, I need to buy this book. So ever since then, I've been like reading through it on the bus on the way to work and that's one that I definitely recommend. In terms of television shows, I've always loved Law & Order SVU. I've been watching it since 1999. Mariska Hargitay, she's amazing. She always gets her man. Love you, Olivia Benson. Um, the thing I love about Law & Order SVU is that Mariska Hargitay in real life set up a foundation for survivors of sexual assaults called the Joyful Heart Foundation. So she is actually the character she plays on TV in real life. And what they're doing is they're working with sexual assault survivors and they are working through the backlog of rape kits that have been taken but not processed. And like, it's kind of unbelievable when you look at the numbers of like how many different sexual assault cases have not been solved, but they have evidence sitting there waiting to be processed. And they're saying, oh, we have so much backlog that we haven't been able to work through. And so I've always loved Law & Order SVU, one of my favorites. Movies, I, I love Wes Anderson. Moonrise Kingdom is one of my favorite movies. I love the childhood nostalgia of just a Cub Scout He's an outsider. He doesn't feel like he fits in with any of his friends. He meets this chick at this play that she's doing. They start writing each other like on paper and pen. Like it's it's a beautiful story. Bill Murray's in it. Uh, Ed Norton's in it. I just it's one of my favorite films. Mm. So I think I want to say I think I've seen the Cub Scout. 
I can watch it again though. Yes, right? no problem. Yes. Yes. Sam Shikusky. Okay, so for the book, we have Wired for Love. Wired for Love. For the film, we have the Cub Scout, and it was another it's one. It's Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom. Yes, Moonrise Kingdom is the movie. And then for the television series, it's Law and Order. Special SVU. Victims. Yeah, so I was like, ooh, now that one right there. You know? <laughs> it's like a pretty wide range of content. No, and it's good. It's good. You know what? To make it to Jay. You know, this is true. It. I mean, that's basically me. It's like this, this whole eclectic bunch of stuff that just goes together. It's all connected, but you have to kind of do a little bit of work to see how everything interconnects. And we love it. We love it. Love it. So, going to our next question. If you had a magic phone and you can call any three people, and have a conversation with three people, three things. Once again, it's a magic phone. Who would be the three people you'll call? I think that's a very that's a very tough question for me because I'm a go-getter. And so in this world that we live in, you can honestly call anybody you want. And I have. Um, but I honestly... In the past, I probably would have said Joan Rivers mm. because we have had some moments together. We've had beautiful moments. Um, used to go to a book signing that she would do every year in June. So that was like my whole birthday celebration when I lived in L.A. Like, oh, Joan released a book. I'm going to go to the book signing, hang out with Joan for a little bit and then go home. And so we had like a few different times where we like hung out at like her book signings and then one time like we were talking about fashion police and at the time she had a um a youtube show called in bed with joan and i was like yo joan i'd love to be on in bed with joan this and that and then she was like yeah here's my assistant's email go ahead and email my assistant and so emailed her assistant we were in talks and the next week she had passed away during a routine throat procedure and so for me, I was like a little bit upset with myself because I kind of put it off because I was still in culinary school at the time. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll get a chance to go see Fashion Police because she invited me to see Fashion Police in person, too. And so I was like, oh, I have time. I'll just do it after I finish culinary school. And it was like this big blaring reminder that you don't always have time. Just make time for those important moments. Make time for people who invite you spaces make time for people who value you and people who see you because you never know what's going to happen. You never know who's, who's going to not be here. So take those opportunities, make time. Brandon invited me on the podcast. I'm like, all right, we got to make this happen. You just, you never know. People move away. People pass away. It's, things change. Things happen. Nothing is promised. Jump for those, jump for those opportunities. So currently, in terms of the magic phone, I I don't know. Because you can uh you can call anybody you want. It's just a matter of like, hey, I know so and so knows so and so. And they can connect me with so and so. So it's like we we live in this world with social networks, but people don't utilize the social networks 
in a way that they could. It's like everybody wants to be seen, everybody wants to be famous, but it's like, hey, if I want to work on a mental health project, I can call my friend Juan Acosta, who worked with Joe Biden on this mental health um, mental health project. He wrote, he co-wrote a book with Lady Gaga, and it's just like looking at your network of who you know and who you can collaborate with, who have similar interests. It's like it's a lot of people are underutilizing the resources that are right there on their phone. You're on your phone all day. Let's make some projects. Let's collaborate. Let's do some stuff. So I think it's it's a great question. I just, I don't have anything that I'm wanting to push out currently, except for this book that I'm co-writing with my dad. And so that's something that my main focus is on. Okay, let's get this book finished. Once we get the book finished, I can use the magic phone and be like, call up Kirk Franklin and be like, hey, Kirk Franklin, can you push this book over to Kanye? I know y'all just did an album together. Hey, can we get this over to so and so? Can we get BB and CC to look at this book or whatever? So it's people do have magic phones. We just don't utilize them the way we could. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Everything you said, I feel seen. I feel like, hey, hey, you're talking about me. You know, I don't use my resources enough. None chill, of chill out, chill out, Jay. We Dang. have everything, but we work for nothing. Dang. Because. Uh, somebody, you know, I ain't gonna get into it, you know, but that is a word and that is something serious that I appreciate you sharing right there. I, I needed to hear that, honestly, truthfully, because I get to the point like, oh, I hate procrastination. That's the thing. And I, everything you're saying, I know good and well that if you want it, you can get, go and get it. Stop making excuses. You know, we live in an information age. If we want to have to find someone, well, you can. I used to be an investigator, you know, trust me. Oh, thank you. Seriously. All right, okay. Look, I needed that right there. So, going to our next question. I'm scared. <laughs> like we get more and more intimate as we go down the line. <laughs> it's the back of the J. I know. I know. Oh, it's the same questions for everybody, but it's crazy that you say that right. Like, but what has been an impactful moment in your life? Yeah, I'm, I'm scared right there. Um, I feel like there's been so many moments that I could look back and say are impactful because it's like in hindsight, it's like you can always see where God placed certain puzzle pieces together. Like I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, Zash, the other day, and she was like, do you see how God placed you where you are doing what you're doing right now to help you with your whole farmstead dream of like you have the culinary experience, you have the animal care experience. And right now you're working on the family aspect of it, of like trying to figure out how to put together like curriculums and lessons and to relate to people on a better level than you have in your past. And so it's like in looking at what's been one of those moments, they've all been those moments. I feel like Kanye right now. No, hey, no, hey. Love it, love it, love it. Once again, I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, hey, but I'm telling you, the conversations we have here on this podcast is so much, it, it's so needed and essential. And I love the different perspectives because once you go back and listen, I think you're going to enjoy and you probably want to come back again. But the responses here from you, specifically from you, is needed for this discussion right here. Okay. So thank you again. 
I can't emphasize that enough. All right. So and go on to our next question. What's your theme song? And this is the hardest one, obviously. <laughs> I recently switched up a lot of my playlists. Um, Cause I'm like, I don't want to keep going in the same loop in the same direction. Uh, for a lot of my life, I've used music as like a drug. Mm. Like, it's like you, you feel a certain way. You don't know how to express that feeling. And then you listen to a song and you're just like, it feels exactly how I feel. And it gives you that high of like, oh my gosh, like that's, that cuts deep. And then you have to like rewind it because the part that hurt didn't hurt enough. And you're just like, ooh, like just say that part again. And so I had to pull myself out of that, that rhythm of like, just keep listening to the same negativity on repeat because it sounds good and has a great beat. And so in this chapter, I don't, know what my theme song would be but of course i could pull up spotify most listened to and spotify would read me like a book but we're not going we don't we don't want to do um copyright issues we don't want to do that no we 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 we'll worry, we, we worry about that later yeah okay gotcha 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 once again <laughs> once again what's up with your spotify how let your boy sometime but anyway um no we appreciate it next question how do you define joy? Uh, I'm still working on that, honestly. Because for a lot of my life, joy was things. Mm. Joy was a recipe. Joy was, oh, if you have these things and this works and the sun is shining perfectly, you have joy. And so I've I've always been the type of person to wait to be happy. Like, I'll be happy when this happens, or I'll be happy when I have this. And we, you, you were just asking me about the theme song. And back in high school, there was this album that came out called The Fame Monster by Gaga. And she had this song on the album called So Happy I Could Die. And so for, I feel like for my whole entire life, I've been looking for that so happy I could die moment of like, okay, this is all happened. This is all come into place. If I died now, I'd be happy. But in life, things never work out the way that you think they will or you plan they will. And so like, I've always been trying to chase those moments instead of living in the moment. Like when I was in Hawaii, there's this thing when you watch the sunset, like the last little glimmer of sun, it's a green burst of light. It's, they call it the green flash. And so I went out with my friend Kelsey, who lives across the street, one of my neighbors, and we went out to like one of the beaches up the street and I had my camera with me. And when you get a green flash, it has to be like a clear night. There, there can't be any clouds like right on the water. And so you never know when it's going to be a green flash sunset. You can hope for it. You can like pray that it happens, but it's like, you have to kind of sit out and be like every night, like, Oh, is it going to be a green flash? Are we going to see it? Is it going to like show? And so we run out to the beach and she's standing still. 
and she's standing there looking, waiting to see if it's gonna be a green flash. And I have my camera and I'm like running. And I'm like, if I run to the like end of the cliff, I can get the best shot of the green flash. And she's like, she looks at me and she says, you keep running towards where you think is gonna be the best angle instead of standing where you are and waiting to see if it happens. And so it's like, it might not even happen, but I'm like so busy running around trying to find the best angle because I have to get a perfect shot that I might miss it. And I did. I had to I had to go back and ask him like, oh, was it even a green flash tonight? Did you see it? Yeah, it was beautiful. You should have stayed with me. So those that, that kind of summarizes my life of like chasing the best angle. It has to have these elements. I need to catch the palm trees in the shot with the green flash. That's something new. That's something I haven't seen before type of thing. Wow. I love that. That and that kind of brings me to the next question too. And what areas in your life do you need to heal? Same questions for everybody. Everything we just talked about. <laughs> yeah. What else I did? Clearly, clearly the 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 Portuguese water dog thing, I'm not over. Mm. I was on the phone with my dad earlier today. We were talking about it. He was like, oh, I saw a Portuguese water dog. And I like, kind of cringed. And I'm like, I, I, I love the breed. I respect the breed. I know that as an eight-year-old child, I did not have the lifestyle to maintain that type of breed. They need a lot of exercise. They need a lot of stimulation. They need a job. It's a working breed bred to pull in nets, from fishermen boats in Portugal. So it's like, if you have a dog that's bred to swim for hours in the ocean, it needs to burn a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. And so um, in terms of healing, I feel like the biggest thing that I need to heal through is resenting people for not listening when I feel as though I'm trying to convey a message. Mm. Um, I do see a lot of things that some people don't see and it sometimes gets to an I told you so moment, but by the time we're there, I feel like I'm already tapped out and was like, oh, I'm on to the next thing. So Sometimes I'll call something to somebody's attention and they'll brush it away and be like, oh, it's not a problem. Oh, we don't need to deal with it. And then it becomes a problem. And then I get resentful because I'm just like, if we would have dealt with it when I originally brought it to your attention or come up with a plan or even like looked at it in the face, it wouldn't be this dumpster fire that it is now. And now I just want to walk away and let you deal with it on your own because I had tried to bring it to your attention. I had tried to come up with a solution. You wanted to be in denial. And I don't want to have to clean up your mess that could have been a tiny speck that's now a burning building. Hmm. So working through those resentments, having more confidence in my voice. Um, like when people say stuff, or like if I say something to somebody and they like are dismissive or try to gaslight me, I need to just be like, okay, is this relationship worth continuing? Or is this relationship something I need to walk away from because they don't respect my needs or respect my voice? Feeling like I've always been an outsider to the point where 
I kind of sometimes bend to go above and beyond to make things work. And then not knowing like, hey, is this something I need to make work? Hey, we have new management. Is this worth me sticking around for? Or is it going to go the way that I predicted? Wow. You know the pillars of our podcast? Respect, communication, and consistency. That's how you build, in my opinion, effective relationships. If you if we can't respect one another, we don't respect each other to communicate and learn how to the effective way to communicate with one another and be consistent in those ways, relationship probably ain't gonna work out well. So we try to have we build relationships with our guests, with our audience, with any of our partners. Respect, communication, consistency is so important. And you just touched on all of those right there. Thank you. I do have to say a lot of times when I'm in a moment, I don't always take the time to relay a message in a way that's pretty and packaged nicely. And so a lot of times people will be off put by it because it's like everybody has to admit Kanye does make valid points, Mm -hmm. but the way that he carries his message sometimes makes people turn off the television and be like, okay, I'm going to just throw everything in the trash because it's Kanye. It's like, we both need to work on that. And I see that and I own it because it's not always other people. It's me because the issues that I'm having with other people are a reflection of what I'm doing and what I'm putting out. If I'm giving you a message in a frantic way and you're like, Oh, you're overreacting. It's okay. Maybe I need to slow down and break it down to you in a way that you're able to receive it better. So it's not you feeling overwhelmed by me being overwhelmed. Thank you. This is the makings of Jay, by the way, y'all. But when I I did a, I did one I did a final hurrah episode discussion with Pi Fam. Shout out to Shan, shout out to Greg, shout out to Baylor about Kanye. And Kanye's, in my opinion, he's trying to reach certain people, and what he's trying I don't like the way he does it at all. And I know he's wise enough to I know what you're doing. It's like. I, everybody else may not. I, what some people see, I see what you're doing. Like he he does that shock value because he do the same thing a certain president we had a few years ago does as well. I'm gonna hit you with a shock value. Kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna rile people up. Then I'm gonna say something that we relate to. That we both like. I'm gonna even sing a song. I'm gonna say a little poem. I'm gonna get that connection back to it. Then I'm gonna make us laugh. I made my point. I kind of dismissed the feeling of it. And I, I said, but you said something that's still hurtful. And he knows where we're living in a microwave age and time where people attention spans are like this. What privileges do you benefit from? Um, I would have to say more privileges than I realize. Mm. I do have a friend that um, likes like we we've had conversations about privilege like a few different friends like in seattle seattle is the state or the city of the bleeding hearts and everybody needs to be equal and you're trampling on their rights because you didn't do this and you didn't and it's just like i'm a very direct person and so sometimes i have to like stop and like reconsider what people are saying like i was talking to a friend of mine And she was telling me 
sometimes I get really scared when I'm walking home or when I'm just walking or just being alone in certain neighborhoods. Like even like we were walking to a studio one time and she was like, I don't feel safe right now. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I have three knives. And she's like, it's not you. It's just this whole area that she's like, it's just anything can happen. And it's just, there's so many people and there's so much going on. And I'm a woman and I'm this and I'm that. And it's like, as a man, I take for granted a lot of different things. And I've been given a pass in so many different ways that it's just like, at a certain point in my life, I felt invincible because, shout out to Lisa Ann, um, I was living in LA and I made some bad decisions and I got into a car accident. And so I got arrested for a DUI and we're at the police station and I drop a name and they were like, okay, sir, we're gonna take you home and sign you into the custody of your like friend. And so it was like, as a black man to have the police say, okay, sir, we're gonna take you home after you just rolled an SUV on the freeway and took out a guardrail. Like I take certain things for granted because it's, it's what's been expected because it's what I've always received. And so it's like, when people talk about white privilege, it's white people expect certain things because that's what they've always gotten. And so until somebody says, hey, not everybody can do this, not everybody can get this, you don't see yourself as privileged. I just see myself as I'm living my life. And people are like, no, you rolled a car and took out a guardrail and the police just took you home. Black people get shot for walking across the street. And I'm like... It, it's kind of like the OJ effects, where it's like when you're living in a certain echelon of people, like I was living in Calabasas at the time. And like the only other black people living in Calabasas, like you got Will Smith, you got Morris Chestnut, you got the Jacksons, and Ray Parker, I love Ray Parker Jr. Shout out to Ray Parker Jr. I love you, Ray, I miss you, Ray. So you have this neighborhood where the only other black people in it are famous and you get treated a certain way. And it's like, I've had the other side of the coin many times. One time I was walking to work in that same neighborhood and some cop pulls up next to me and he's like, oh, what are you doing? Are you casing cars? And I look at him and I'm like, bro, there's a Prius sitting right there. Why would I break into a Prius when there's a, a a Mercedes G-Wagon at the next, like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Get out of my face. You know, I'm not casing nothing. You see me with my chef coat and my knife bag. Like, I'm working. I'm on the way to work. Like, leave me alone. So it's like I've had those moments or like sitting in the park with a friend of mine. She was home from college. Um, she went to vet school and like came back to the Valley for uh, just to hang out. So she's like, let's go ice blocking. And I'm like, what is that? And so she's like, when you get a giant block of ice and you get a towel and you like sit on ice block and you like slide down the hill on the ice. So I'm like, oh, cool, let's do that. So we go ice blocking and then these cops show up 
And then the cops are like, oh, it's 10 p.m. It's past 10 p.m. The park is closed. Are you guys doing drugs and this and that? And I'm like, no, like, get out of here. Like, you see us like sliding down the hill on some blocks of ice. And then they look at me and they're like, oh, how old are you? You're a bit young to be driving a Jaguar. And I'm just like, just having that side of it also makes me forget that I'm quote unquote privileged. Because it's like, you can be hanging out in the park past 10 with your friend, just hanging out or walking to work and get harassed. But when you roll a car and get taken home, it's just like, it balances itself out of, this is just my life. This is what we do. People call me and say, hey, do you want to be on this program? Hey, I know you love doing television. Do you want to do MasterChef? Like, that's just the life I've curated for myself. It wasn't by myself, but that's what I expect, and that's what happens. Wow, wow. Thank you for your response. Seriously. And you you kind of, you, I would say I have these questions for a reason. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. When did you realize you were different? From the jump, like always, like I've always been the different kid. And so, like when I was young, I was super skinny. And so, when I was in the third grade, I was bullied by an individual. His name is Nick Becker. He used to always call me Twig. Uh, like I was like fat or I was skinny as a kid and then like I just was really super quiet and didn't want to be bothered like I always wanted to play by myself and like I was always like taken to like therapists and doctors and psychiatrists because my mom was like oh he has ADD and oh he's on the spectrum and it's like I was diagnosed with these things and so it's like there was always this campaign to like fix me and to make me normal like my other siblings. And so I, I just come to accept that because I never saw myself as weird or different, but it's like when other people see you, they speak things over you and they put expectations on you. Like when I moved to LA, people are like, oh, he's, he's flamboyant, he must be gay. And it was like, that was not anything that I really thought about, but it's like, people speak things over you so much and they put you in this category. And then you think to yourself, I don't, I don't know who I am yet because I'm still young. Let me try and see this because this could be a shortcut to getting to where I need to be because they're older, they must know better. And so you try certain things because other people see things but don't necessarily see what you are. They see what they're projecting on you. And so sometimes when you have people in your circle or around you that like see you in a certain light, it can kind of steer you in a direction that you don't need to be going in. We go talk, we go chop it up, we go chop it up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. How you feeling? I feel good. Good, good. Hold on. Right now, y'all know how we do. We're going to have our quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with you. Hey, what's going on? It's your host, Drake. Be Drake with everything culture. Just wanted to butt in real quick, and as for y'all support, 
Now, y'all know I greatly appreciate all the love that you're showing listening to the show. But I have to ask, could y'all please leave us a review? And if you don't know how to leave a review, don't worry. I got you. You can go to Apple Podcasts, find everything culture. Make sure to click on the name of the show. Scroll down to where you see ratings or reviews. Please hit that five stars or just leave your honest opinion. Then right under that, you can drop us a review. Um, Leave a subject line, the catchier, the better. And just tell us how you feel. That goes a long way with supporting us. But let's say you don't have an iPhone. What should you do then? We got you with that too. You can go right over to Spotify, find everything culture again, and you just want to hit on the ellipses at the top right, and it will pop up where you can rate the show. They see? There you go. There you have it. Now make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and anywhere else you may listen to Everything Culture. Um, we greatly appreciate your support. We love y'all, and let's get back to the conversation. Let's get back to the show. Peace. All right, we're back with the makings of Jay with Everything Culture, and Jay, we're on to our next question. Okay, this is a either or oh better would you rather how about that so would you rather go back in time and speak to your younger self or would you rather your future self come and talk to you now i have a little bit i've thought about this a little bit um i would definitely have a full week outing with my younger self mm. like i'm like all right look we are gonna go on a trip together we're doing a road trip um and we're gonna say what's what and based on that conversation i feel like things would change but everybody is where they need to be because it's like if i didn't make the mistakes i made i would make different mistakes yeah and so it's like in having that conversation with my younger self and be like, hey, you need to work out. Work out from a young age. Don't believe these lies people are telling. Like when I was in high school, somebody was like, if you work out before you're done growing, it's gonna stunt your growth. And so I didn't work out. And so like there's like just different little things that like you look back and you're just like, oh, that wasn't true. And oh, that that like that really just made a difference. Or just like having conversations about self-care, like just take care of your body, like which is something that I've always like been on since like the food journey of like put in good and you get good out. And it's when you simplify it, life is all about inputs. You put in good stuff, you get good stuff out. Like like uh, the Bible says, you reap what you sow. Like you can't sow negativity and chaos and then think you're going to get flowers and parades. So it's telling my younger self in simple terms a lot of the cliche things that I kind of missed. Because it's like if you hear certain stuff over and over, it just it's like when you go to church and you hear all these sayings over and over, they kind of lose significance because you just say oh god is good all the time all the time it just becomes this chant that means nothing and it's just like oh this is just a part of our routine of what we do 
So just going back and having conversations with myself of like, okay, certain people learn this way and certain people are going to say things this way, but you're a very, very literal person. And so you're not going to be able to receive it this way. So you're going to want to look into learning this style or just hands-on learning or just like little things. In terms of my future stuff, looking at the way that the world is going now, I don't know how much longer we have. So I'm like, oh yeah, future self, like I, it could be a self from July. And it's like, as far as we make it, it's like, oh yeah, sorry. Jesus came back and just obliterated the everything. And this is it and finish line. So I, I am in this state right now where I am very conscious that every day could be my last. And I don't know if it's because I'm getting old or because CPTSD has me in like this mode of like being paranoid about certain things. Like it's just, you never know. Like I wake up every day and I'm like, today could be my last day. Like you just don't know. Woke up today and I was like, I'm gonna go get a massage. I'm gonna go out to lunch. I'm gonna go hang out with a friend that I met at um, the uh, the gym. And we're just gonna talk and just hang out because I don't know how much time I have left and I'm not gonna take that for granted. No, love it, love it. I have a mantra that I say, you gotta make every day a great day. No, because you, I'm, you never know it's gonna be your last. Yeah, I mean, I've honestly been living like a cancer patient who won the lottery. Mm. So, mindset of showing a great step forward each day by day love it love it so I'm hearing you getting massages so how do you relax um, <laughs> <laughs> um so the massage thing came about when I was working in the food truck industry back in 2018 I had a lower back injury working on this poke truck um, and I went to the doctor, they were like, you have sciatica, you have arthritis in your spine, you have like all this stuff. And so they, I did physical therapy three times. They recommended massage therapy. And so it just became a thing where it's just, it's something that I do for myself, not to feel pampered, not to feel any type of way, but just, it's a pain relief type thing. But I will say the first time I got a massage was back when I worked on my first food truck. I like I had always like made mediocre money at my other jobs. And so I had left work that day from the barbecue truck and I like look at my check and I'm like looking and I'm just like, is that number right? And I was like ecstatic. I'm like, hey, I'm gonna go get a massage. We're gonna live it up. And so went to Chinatown, got a massage at this great little parlor. It's still there. Jackson and like sixth or something in Chinatown. Any, any of the ones that specialize in feet, like they really know how to like work the kinks out of your back. And so that was one that I go to. I recently went back and they were like talking about charging like 100, 120 per hour. And I was like, yeah, no, I'll stick with my medical massages. So 
pricing went up. Okay. Yeah, I'm like, I'm only paying $100 an hour out of pocket for my massage therapist now. Shout out to Joey. He really, really knows how to work out my sciatica. Yeah, hey, I'm stretches out. Talking to my auntie about this side. Like, you know, when you when you hit that age when I said nerves start kicking up, oh my goodness. Talking about a pain in your ass. I'm like, we were talking about that today. He was like, Yeah, you just gotta pull the leg out a certain way and just pop it. And I was like, the way you pop my legs. Man, man, it's a difference. And having a certain setup at your desk, whatever you're doing, but well, y'all learn the younger viewers and listeners. Y'all yeah, learn. You turn twenty five. It's, it's it's free free for all. And it's crazy how things. Get good insurance while you're young. Like just make sure you have an insurance plan with your job. As somebody working in the culinary industry, most chefs don't have benefits packages. Most chefs don't get health care. It's everything is out of pocket. So go get you a good job with benefits. I don't care. Benefits are needed. Take care of your body message okay <laughs> next question this is i don't want to say last meal if you can have any food any meal at the snap of your fingers what would be the meal and who would prepare it for you that's a really difficult one because i feel like it all depends on my mood um i'm Honestly, have had the pleasure of working with a lot of amazing chefs throughout my career. Um, one of my favorite low-key foods, like people, most people don't know this about me because I don't really talk about it. Like I'll like pretend and be like, oh, I love this and I love that. Like, cause it's like, that's what's accessible. Like there's like accessible and then there's preferred. So honestly, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite dishes in the world are scallops like perfectly buttered seared scallops melting your like i could just eat them like potato chips a perfect scallop with just butter that is like perfect um my go-to foods generally are fish and chips i love po'boys i love egg rolls Anything seafood, um, crab cakes occasionally, it just depends on where it's from. Lobster rolls, like any of those, like anything seafood. Okay. Who would make it for you? Uh, I, you know, honestly, I would have to call my friend Gordon. Like, yo, Gordon, I need a perfect scallop. That would be, I, honestly, I, I, I've done a show with Gordon Ramsay. I've never had his cooking. I, when I was in culinary school, I auditioned for Hell's Kitchen, made it to like round three. And then they said they wanted to like go with somebody more polished because it's like I was still in school. So they were like, we want to go with more professional chefs who are ready to run a restaurant. So in culinary school, went and did the audition for Hell's Kitchen. And then the same company had sent me an invite to like sit in on a dinner service at Hell's Kitchen. But I've seen the show, so I'm like, if we do, like, a taping, like, with the dinner service, like, 90% chance we're not going to get food. Like, unless they're in, like, the last week where everybody's poly... You know, Gordon always pulls the plug. Everybody leaves mad. Oh, we didn't even get our food. So, ended up not going to that. That was one I kind of wish I would have gone to in hindsight, just for the experience. But, yeah, what the hell's kitchen? 
Um, but then I had a friend in culinary school, Shelly. She hit me up. She was like, hey, they're filming this show. I know you love doing television. Here, go do this show. So ended up going. I didn't, I had no clue what it was. And so I was like, just went to the location. And they had the shuttle service, like, bring us up to this golf course in Rancho Palos Verdes in, like, in L.A. And it's, like, overlooking the ocean. It was, like, gorgeous. And so... Gordon Ramsay comes out and he was like, welcome to the hundredth episode of MasterChef. And so it was like, it was like, okay, like we made it. Like we're actually getting fed today. So like, and not going to the Hell's Kitchen one, like I ended up going to like a MasterChef hundredth episode, but like we actually got some food. It was decent. They served us a ton of wine <laughs> and they had this like confetti cake flown in from New York from Chef Christina. And so, like, because the plates were so small, like, everybody was, like, drunk on this free wine. And at the end, it's like, they cut the cake, and then they cut the cameras. So you have, like, 100 food influencers, like, bum-rushing this, like, six-foot cake from, like, New York, and we're just, like, peeling it apart, drunk. Like, it just, it was a great experience. Wow. So, like, I would love for Gordon to just sit down, cook me some scallops, and then we'll talk about that episode I think you got the that that is the fanciest response so far uh, as far as that question. I tell you that right there. You know, go so when you said my friend Gordon, I'm like Gordon. You talking about? Like, I know a couple Gordons. You know, I didn't know they can cook that well, but okay, I know Ram. See, get mad at like that magic phone though. Yeah, like, I, honestly, like, put it make to it use, people, put it to use. Make it happen, baby. Make it happen. All right, we got a few more questions. We lining it up. Okay, let's close it out. Let's close it out. So, what changes do you want to see in your culture? Uh, um, as far as the Black community, I would like to see us collaborating openly more. I would like to see us working more on food literacy. I would like us to, to see us coming together more as a community with common ground because I feel like with the way that our community has been structured through disbursement, through like when, when uh, slavery was abolished, it's like some, some slaves stayed in the South, some went to the North, some came West. And so it's like, you have all these different pockets of like the Southern blacks and the Northeast blacks and the Seattle blacks who, our Seattle Blacks um, and the LA people. <laughs> you know, you know exactly yeah, what I'm saying. <laughs> I had a laugh at that right there. I had a laugh at that one right there. So, like with our culture, there's so many different subsectors of segmentation to where it's like when you look at Chinese culture or Mexican culture, they have a Bible of this is what we do. This is our culture in black culture. It's, Oh, I'm from this region. We do like, we can't even agree if we put sugar in the grits or not. So in the, right. See, that's the argument we have quite a bit, you know, once again, this is the makers of J y'all, but y'all know me. I put whatever I want in my grits. And that's the point. Like, like if I can do it, I'ma do it. 
Okay. That's like if I I I, I push, you know I can go down this whole rant, but continue, please. So I feel like in terms of black culture, there's so many different subsects and so many different belief systems based on personal experience and region and background and belief and like experience in terms of trauma or whatever else we have going on that it's like we can't even agree on little things let alone have meetings to move us forward so that's one thing that i would love for us black people to have and then black food sovereignty is something i would like we came over here and we built this country we farmed their fields and we put food on their tables and what do we have fighting amongst ourselves and people who just can't agree on anything like like it's it's sad oh mouthful man you don't lock you don't lock yourself in several episodes in the future i want you to know that but seriously thank you once again thank you okay because you know i can keep going about that right there we're gonna have to segment yeah but i'm telling you yeah, that day is a mouthful, seriously. Once a week, let's get it. Yeah, that's what we come on. Come highlight us on Sunday. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, our next question: How would you want people to remember you? At my at my age, I've been thinking about this a lot. Like once you hit thirty, as many people who are in the industry know, it's like, oh, you hit thirty, you're basically you're over. Like you just settle down, you start a family, like you like in that mindset, like I've been thinking about, okay, so I've been here thirty one years. What have I done? What do I want people to remember me for? And what is my legacy? And I in talking to people, it's interesting how people will remember you for certain things that you don't even like you just like it's crazy to me like I worked at uh, my first food truck and like as a gimmick I would always wear white jeans and so it's like I'm working on a barbecue food truck wearing white jeans and after every shift, my boss was like, I don't know how you didn't get any barbecue sauce on your pants. And this was like back in 2017, 2018. I come into town like six months ago, come in to check out the restaurant to like pay my sports homage, congratulations on the new spot because he opened up a new spot. So I walk in and Matt's like, no white pants, eh? And I'm like, after all these years, <laughs> that's all you got, like, really? The white pants, that's that's what stood out. But it was it was branding and it was like, okay, this is how people are gonna remember me because people either remember you how they want to remember you or they remember you how you program them to remember you. So like along with the white pants, I like I as a joke, um, I asked Matt to buy me a Versace apron. And he said, no. So I bought myself a Versace apron. And so after that, all the other guys on the food truck started referring to me as Versace. 
And so it was a thing of like, okay, so we're going to pivot away from the white pants. We're going to get a little bit more upscale, but like keep it camp because it's like you wearing a Versace apron working on a food truck. Like how camp is that? And so in talking to other friends, it was like, oh, we just remember you as this like this, this, uh, the, she says the Calabasas kid. And it's interesting because it's like, I only lived in that area for a tiny part of my life. And it was such, it was such a flash in the pan of like, like just, it was indescribable. But to have somebody remember me for that little tiny, little sliver of, piece of my life and just make that it's like oh i just remember you you in this you in this this setting with these people or just like other people say oh i remember how you always loved animals or worked with animals um in hawaii i would laugh because i walked my dog every day. We walked along the same beach every single day. And it was me programming because I was launching a dog training business. So it's like, I am the face of this company along with Buddha Bear. And so in walking the same path every single day, people kind of remember you. And so it got to the point where it's like, I would go to the grocery store and they'd be like, oh, where's Buddha Bear? And so it's, I love the Hawaiian people. I love the Hawaiian people. I love the Hawaiian people. Hawaii is not a part of the United States. It is the sovereign kingdom of Hawaii. And the people embody that. It is not, it's not Americanized. Um, that being said, there are times I would walk down the beach and I would hear people say, hey, look, there's nigga uncle on Black Beethoven. And it wasn't something that I was offended by because it was their way of relating to me as seeing a black man in Hawaii, one, there's not a lot of those who aren't in the military, and two, seeing this Bernese Mountain Dog, which not a lot of people know what the breed is, and it's like, it looks similar to a black St. Bernard because the Bernese Mountain Dog was a multi-purpose working farm breed in Switzerland. And when people started going up in the Alps more, they started breeding St. Bernard's. And so with people getting lost in the Alps a lot and the invention of tractors and people bringing in horses and carriages, they stopped breeding the Bernese mountain dogs as much because they didn't need dogs to pull the carts to market. They had horses, they had tractors. And they started focusing on the search and rescue dogs. So you now have this breed, the St. Bernard, that is surpassing the original breed, which is the Bernese Mountain Dog. And so with pop culture, with Beethoven, with Cujo, who was actually a Caucasian mountain dog, but looks just like a St. Bernard, people now recognize that breed. And that's their way of relating to, oh, that's a black St. Bernard. So it's like, it's, it's just the culture of the island. It's the culture of them relating to you in a certain way. And it's, it's all love, so it's like I'm not offended. And it's, it's love. So it just, depending on the city that I'm in, 
I'm remembered for different things. In Hawaii, I'm remembered for the Bernese Mountain Dogs and the Beach House. Shout out to the Beach House by 604. I love you. I love you all. Um, in Seattle, I'm known for being on the food trucks. In my hometown, I'm known for moving to LA and being inside the television. Oh, we saw this show. Oh, you did this court TV show. And it's like, sometimes you wish you could reset how people see you, but you can only do that through giving them new experiences. That's a hard question. I think that's probably the hardest question of all. Um, I sometimes don't know how to ask for help because I've done a lot of things on my own. And in my recent work experience, I was doing a lot on my own and then I asked for help and they sent me someone. And it's like, now I have to slow down and kind of like show them how they can best support me which drives me crazy because it's like when you've been doing everything on your own for 30 years, it's like, okay, now I have to communicate and make it a team effort. Delegate. Delegate. And it's just like in delegating, you have to reprogram people sometimes because it's like my girlfriend could ask me, Hey Jay, how do you want your egg? Or what do you want for breakfast? And I can say eggs. And in her mind, eggs mean I'm making you chilaquiles or like an omelet. And in my mind, that could mean only poached eggs. And so in, in telling people what you want or need, it's like you have to actually know yourself enough to know what your specific needs are or what your your way of getting those needs met is. Because we all have different love languages. So it's like, in another relationship, it could be acts of service, where it's like, oh, I'm not gonna be spending a lot of time with you, but you're gonna be doing these acts of service to show that you are loving and supportive of me. And so it's like, it's, it's very tricky because everybody shows up in a different way. And then, having to figure out, okay, so this is my need and this is how this person is able to show up for me. Okay, so this is my need and this other person isn't able to do this, but they can do that. So now I have to look at my needs again and say, okay, so can I have them do this, but then I do this other thing myself. So I think right now in terms of my needs, I feel like my biggest thing is I need People who are there, people who are present for me, people who I can schedule like weekly get togethers with, people who can become community with. You can find me on my website, josiahtubs.art. Click in the shop, look at the art, enjoy the art, DM me if you want a custom piece. Get it. Um, we have a Shopify, we have the galleries, it's all there. And then I also have my Instagrams. Um, at down slash Josiah James and at 
Josiah J. Tubbs. your host drake the mr d713 with everything culture just letting you know thank you thank you for listening to another episode of the makers of you we greatly appreciate your support we look forward to more support in season four make sure you check out www.everythingculture.com for our new merchandise as well as check out all of our social media sites from tumblr twitter instagram facebook and tiktok NIG. We're all over. We greatly appreciate your support and we look forward to seeing y'all in the next episode. Peace.